strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you spending part of your Tuesday with us. Um, we talked earlier at the end of the last hour, if you weren't with us, we closed out the hour talking about the educational challenges in America and how America is falling further and further behind. Math scores are now becoming a national security issue in the minds of many as other nations are actually gaining ground and we are losing ground. We're falling far behind other industrial industrialized nations and it plays a role in the economy. And I want to start there. We're talking about inflation. We understand what inflation has done to families. But how does this play a role in it? Well, here it is. And this is a couple of interesting stories. Gen Z are treating employers like bad dates. 93% ghost interviews and 87% have not even shown up for their first day of work. Uh, Is it a work ethic thing? Gen Z is choosing Texas over their new homes in any other state. But here's the other part of it. The silver tsunami record number of Americans set to turn 65 this year. My generation, obviously, we're all getting older, but my generation hitting those magic numbers, I'm going to be 57 in June. Um, so I am. I still feel like I'm in my prime for working, but I'm closer to the end than I am the beginning. Uh, there are people that should be coming up. This industry is a different kind of an animal, but in any industry, the younger, fostering the younger people and bringing them forward. I mentioned this last week. I talked with a group of project managers and estimators in the construction world last week, and it was such a fun night to kind of be back in a room full of people that I automatically feel like I relate to because I came from that world. And what I love about that world, and I joked a little bit about this one, um, this world that I'm in right now, um, and this is not a slam against anybody that I work for, but in this industry, it seems as if if you are not someone that makes it successfully on the air as a as an on-air talent, you become a, a, a boss. You become someone that is now t- overseeing those that are on the air. You become management. And I don't know that that's a recipe for – not a recipe for success. I'm just telling you the difference is that in the world that I came from, and it didn't matter if it was the trade I was in, which I was an electrical contractor as an electrician – or if it's any of the other trades, what you see most of the time, most of the time, is the businesses that are run. When you call an electrician, just let's use my industry. When you call an electrician, you're going to get someone that shows up that's qualified to fix or install or repair what you need fixed. And they learned it most of the time from someone else that has actually done it as well. When I became an electrician, I learned uh, an apprentice. I learned from journeymen on the job sites that were good at what they did. And they shot, they taught me their best practices on jobs. And I had on the job training. And then I morphed those into what was best practices for me. And then I became a foreman and a journeyman. And then I became a superintendent, then a project manager. And when I got those skills of learning how to bid work and what it takes to bid a job accurately where you're profitable, but you're bidding against other companies so you're not pr- Pricing yourself out of the job, how you accurately bid work, how you run a job, how you make sure it stays on budget, how you make sure your hours are accurate, how you make sure that the material you're buying is what it needs for the job. I maybe I'm maybe I'm going too deep into this, but I learned all of that from people that did it before me. 
There wasn't somebody in a position of authority that they weren't good at the job, so they put them over here. These were people that you you were learning from someone that made the mistakes and did it themselves and teaching you best practices. And I love that about the industries. I love that about construction. And so um, what I, I'm connecting this to the job market, because if you look around, it's what's failing, our political system that seems to be failing, the political parties that are struggling – to connect with voters. If you look at the tops of the tickets, if you look what's happening in Arizona in both political parties, big disconnect, huge increase in party undeclared voters. They don't bring in young talent. They're not fostering young talent at a young age. They take young volunteers to put on the t-shirt and hand out things and get signatures. But are we teaching people the things that are necessary? I can tell you in this building where I work, I was joking about management, but let me tell you what they get right, is we have every semester new blood in here from Cronkite. These are journalism students, and many of them want to go into broadcasting. We have we have the best sports station in Arizona by far, and some of them want to be in sports broadcasting, and they get to come in, and they get to learn about this industry. But we also get to learn about the next generation that's going to be in here and how many people that have come into this building as an intern that went to work part-time and then full-time and then have become really big assets in this building. That is a healthy industry. We are seeing more and more people age out. I'm going to be 57. How relevant am I going to be in this business for the long haul? How long before I'm not connecting with a younger audience? And maybe that's the case now. How long before whatever industry you're in, you're just going to be done? It's time to slow down and relax. It's part of the natural process of our lives that we are hungry and aggressive when we're younger. And then when we get older and we're veterans and we sink in and at some point it's we're just done. And it's like, OK, it's someone else's turn. Let somebody else fight the fight. Let somebody else, you know, grind it out. When you have a record number of people turning 65 this year, you couple that with the learning loss we're finding out from kids in high school. So if you're a 15-year-old kid, 14-year-old kid, and you're not uh, reading at grade level, and you're entering high school, you're not performing math skills at grade level, and you're at 14 in 10 years. And how many of you out there my age or close to my age know how quickly 10 years goes by? In 10 years, that person is either going to be a, a college graduate they're going to be in the military or they're already going to be involved in the workforce. Are they prepared? Are you in 10 years? I'll be 67 or almost 67. Am I still going to be doing this? Am I, am I going to be viable? And if not, is there going to be someone qualified to do this? This is a bad example, this, this industry. But whatever you do, if you're in the construction field, think about those people that are going to be in the in the job world right now. They're good on a job site. Are they prepared to learn project management and estimating? Are they prepared to learn what's next to have them take over for you when you step aside? We have got to start thinking about this in economic terms. You know, and so when you see this public, when we and people are living longer, so people are working longer, but you're going to see a bunch of people that are slowing down. It's not going to be, you know, I've always been willing to work the long hours. I, I, I thrive on long hours. When I was younger, you, I was the guy that always said yes to the overtime. I worked weekends. I worked evenings. I just loved my job. So I always said yes. I'm too old for that now. I'm not putting on tools anymore. At my age, I'm not going to put on tools and go on a job site and work. I'm certainly not going to put in a 60-hour work week. 
That's for the younger people. I already know that at this stage in my life. I love what I do now and I love the long hours of what I do, but it's not the physical stress of the labor I did before. And are we preparing the ones right now, the 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 30-year-olds that have been in the trades now for over 10 years that are making that transition into project management or becoming superintendents or becoming, you know, foreman on jobs? Are they prepared for the paperwork? Are they and I know this sounds silly, but are they prepared to do the job you're doing? And if the answer is no, where is that going to leave me in 15 years when I'm if I'm still around and I'm in my 70s in 15 years and I'm done and I've got to count on a workforce of people that are now in school and I've got to count on them having the skill set to carry this country forward. It's my fault. It's your fault. It's our fault collectively if we're not preparing them to do it. Because someday, many of them, most of them, are gonna get their acts together and they're gonna decide what I, what they want to do is be successful, whatever successful looks like for them. And if they're not prepared to learn, that's on us. And I just wonder if we're looking at this from the economic standpoint that it really is. All right. In a moment, uh, suspects arrested in an organized crime burglaries around town. We're going to talk crime and punishment and how Arizona is doing things differently than other places. And it's really good for Arizona. We'll get to that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, I want to invite you to subscribe to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast. It's simple to do on your iPhone, your Android, any device you have. Never miss a minute of the show. The Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by your Valley Chevy dealers. So we talked about this earlier, about this organized crime ring here in Arizona. It's called crime tourism, which is a phrase I learned about a few weeks ago from the Scottsdale police chief. And it is people that come to America with the express purpose of breaking into higher end homes to steal the property that they know they can flip online or sell through a fence very, very quickly. It's very profitable for them. And uh, they've been doing it across the valley. There's been an uptick in residential burglaries in nicer neighborhoods in the East Valley. The Phoenix Police Department on Friday was able to make an arrest of three people in an attempted burglary at 44th Street and Camelback right there by Camelback Mountain. Very nice neighborhoods. Again, higher end. We know that, you know, those higher end homes are looking for handbags. They're looking for gold, you know, precious metals. They're looking for things they can flip very quickly. It's an organized group of people. Chief Walther from the Scottsdale Police Department was the one who told us about this because they wanted to get the word out to the public to prepare yourself. Talk to your neighbors. Make sure when you're not around, your neighbors know and they watch your house and vice versa. Make that pact with your neighbors that if you're not home, we'll keep an eye out. We'll keep an ear out. He talked about a potential burglary that was thwarted because somebody heard something that didn't sound right. They called the police. The police were able to stop it before it happened. And in this case, it was surveillance because as police agencies work together to, you know, the valley runs together. Sometimes you can't tell. It's hard to tell when you're driving on Camelback Road. And you're going east from 44th Street. Where's the border with Scottsdale until you see a monument sign that says, welcome to Scottsdale? There's a lot of confusion going from one city to the next. And these agencies work very well together. Uh, I say this because there are other municipalities across the country that are doing the opposite. Another story in front of me of how in Minnesota, another town in Minnesota is going to completely disband their police department, which means it relies on the sheriff's department to, for patrol 
patrols for uh, for calls for service. That does not help when it comes to crime. You have businesses across the country that are saying because of the uptick in crime, legitimate customers can't come into our business because the crime is so bad. You know, these are the kinds of things that have got people very, very worried. And Arizona has been doing a good job of maintaining um, the governor of Louisiana has declared a state of emergency because of a severe shortage of law enforcement officers. I bring these things up because, as you've, you know, if you listen to the show for any length of time, I am absolutely a supporter of public safety. I um, will support them with my words on this show, with my actions. I'll do what I can. And also encouraging people that we elect to office and doing my best to elect people to office that want us to have a fully functioning public safety department. Police, fire, rescue, that's what we demand. I've talked about fire quite a bit. This one is really focused on crime. But when it comes to the fire department and the equipment, the rescues that, you know, we're coming into the summer months before you know it, we're going to be hitting 100 degrees. There are going to be mountain rescues and the Phoenix Fire Department and others in the in, in the valley where there are hiking trails are going to be tasked with rescuing people because they're overwhelmed by the heat. Um, in this densely urban area that's starting to grow up, their calls for service mean their response times are much longer than they should be. We have got to stay on top of this as citizens. Here we've got an uptick in crime. One of the nice things about a the byproducts of a very good economy is people are able to purchase nice things for their homes. People are able to do nice things for themselves. Well, these burglars take advantage of it where they can when unsuspecting people, unprepared people, allow it to happen. So I wanted to bring this up because I think it's necessary for public safety, for us to talk about how we look out for each other, but also why it's important to have a fully functioning, fully staffed police department. Surveillance officers saw these three and were able to thwart the burglary. If you don't have a fully staffed, and they're way understaffed in the city of Phoenix, but if you don't have people that are able to do surveillance, you're responding after the home is broken into. There's the difference between proactive policing and responsive, reactive policing. And it's just something we need to know about. While I'm mentioning Minnesota, I wanted to talk about this very quickly. If you remember uh, over the weekend, there was a shooter in Burnsville, Minnesota, who murdered two police officers and a paramedic. Well, it turns out this person, General Shannon Gooden, opened fire. Uh, Gooden killed a police, two police officers and a, and a, a paramedic. Um, and he was um, I, he was he lost his right to own firearms. While it's unclear who called 911, Gooden had barricaded himself in a home with seven children, aged 2 to 15. Multiple gunshots, uh, guns were recovered from the scene. Court records show that Gooden had his rights to possess firearms revoked in Minnesota after pleading guilty in 2008 to second-degree assault with a dangerous weapon. He petitioned the court unsuccessfully in 2020 to have his gun rights restored. Court records show he also... um, show his disputes over the custody and financial support of his three oldest children had escalated accusing the mother of neglect. So this was somebody that was obviously very troubled, but the laws in place said he wasn't allowed to have firearms, but he still got them anyway. This is something else we have to talk about, this mental well-being of people intervention. Um, But I wanted to mention this because when we're talking public safety, these are the real-life dangers of doing a job like this. And so obviously um, such a horrible story for the lives and the families of the lives that were lost. It's, It's terrible. 
Coming up in a moment, uh, we're going to talk about the presidential race. We're going to get back to the elections. We now know what happened in the fraud trial with the president, a former president in New York City. We're going to talk about the current president and the possibility of them resurrecting his campaign for president. So everything elections coming up next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. feel guilty stepping over ZZ Top. I'd just rather listen to the music. Thanks for being here. Uh, let's get the latest on what's happening in our race for president. Um, you know, does this throw a monkey wrench in things? There have been uh, the president, the former president, Trump, has been ordered to pay over $300 million in money. What is this doing to businesses there? There's a big fallout there. There are many people that are balking at this, saying it's politically motivated. But for others, is it going to influence their decision? And this is what's fascinating. Many, many, many voters are saying still that they don't think that Donald Trump nor Joe Biden should be the candidates at the top of the ticket. And that, that's a majority of Americans that have still said that. So what the question has become is, well, what if it is those two? That's the hypothetical. We don't know about Nikki Haley. We don't know about the challengers on the Democratic side, but I can tell you it looks like it is going to be Donald Trump in a rematch against Joe Biden. The difference this time is now we have a four-year resume, a four-year look at a Biden presidency. Can he win people over? So we got to talk about what's happening with the former president. Uh, because, you know, there are more court cases going on. What's going on in Georgia It's happening across the country. Are voters going to say, no, I'm not going to vote for him? And you have to be honest about this. There are many people that would say, given another choice, they probably wouldn't. But you're also now looking at now if you have to choose between the two. There was a focus group, I think the New York Times did a 13-person fo- focus group, which, by the way, is a very, very tiny sample. But of 13 people that were independent voters, these were party non-declared voters, given the choice between the two and seeing the resumes and everything that comes with those resumes. I mean, the Biden family has their own issues with Hunter Biden and the business deals and how China being involved. What's the eventually what are we going to learn about that? Was the president or the current president involved in his son's business? Was his son peddling his father's influence as vice president of the United States? These are all valid questions by the American voter. You couple that with the what we now know about the former president and President Trump and his legal problems and what's going on. When given those two resumes, warts and all, everything available, 13 people in a focus group that declared themselves independent minded voters, 11 of the 13 said that given those two choices only, they would vote for Donald Trump. Now, does that mean that's what's going to happen? Is that number skewed at 11 out of 13? That's a huge number. Absolutely. I'm not predicting anything is over. I'm pointing out the world is watching and so is the American voter. Now, we've got a State of the Union address coming up. 
And there are some that believe inside a meeting of Democrat minds on the reelection of this president that this could be the game changer for him, that if he has a strong performance in the State of the Union address, it could quell people's suspicions about his mental ability to do the job. We'll see. The American public is pretty, um, pretty well informed. They are well aware of the baggage that Donald Trump brings with him to the presidency. They are now well aware of the issues involving the current president. And so will the American voters stay home? I don't know that they will. Is this going to be the massive turnout we've seen before? I don't know the answer to that either. But I know this, that given the choice between the two, many people are saying, I don't want to choose between these two. But if I have to go to the polls and choose between these two, you're seeing a big number of people saying that what Donald Trump did was less bad than what Joe Biden is doing. You may not agree with it. I'm not expecting people to agree with that perspective, but that's what the voices are saying. But here's also what's interesting about this. In many polls, it's a dead heat. So if you are a Republican, and this is the downside, this is the opposite side of that coin. If you're a Republican, and a Republican voter, yes, but if you're a Republican involved in party politics and you look at this and you think, okay, look at all of the things involving this administration and what's happening from the failures at the border to the high inflation to the major questions about his ability to do the job, not from – it wasn't some Republican that published a report that said that he does has a bad memory and that and if, if more details of those conversations with the DOJ – with that special counsel, if more of those details are turned over to Congress, if Congress has hearings on this and they get more details about the president and what he said and how he said it and things he couldn't answer and the things that they say that he has forgotten. If you're a Republican and all of that is there in your mind, you have to be thinking it should be a walkover for the Republican candidate to win the vast majority of states and they should win in a landslide. On the other side, if you're a Democrat activist and you're a Democrat in, involved in Democratic politics, in the Democratic Party, and you say you have a former president that now has been ordered to pay over $300 million in a fraud case, we know about the porn stars, we know about the other court cases going on in Georgia, we know about these other things and the baggage that is going on. Nobody named Trump is allowed to run his business deals in New York for like three years and all of these things that are happening. This should be a walkover for the candidate that's at the top of the ticket for the Democrats, and it's not. It's not a walkover for either candidate. And so I keep looking at this and thinking, in my mind, is this the best that America has to offer the world? The world watches our politics. We don't watch the world. It's, it's another thing, the couple of things that we are not multilingual, and we also don't pay as close attention to other countries' politics as they pay to ours. We play a big role around the world. So they watch a lot more closely. When I was in Europe, those conversations, they knew American politics and the players in American politics. What's going to happen in the United States Senate? Is the Are the Republicans going to take a majority there? Are the Democrats going to take a majority? What happens in the House? There is such a slim majority for Republicans in the House of Representatives. These questions between now and November, they're going to become more and more clear. You're going to see changes back and forth. 
I just said somebody sent me yesterday, I think, was the anniversary of the I Have a Scream speech. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Howard Dean was the presumptive nominee for the Democrats. He was running away with the race. He was doing very, very well. And he had won a big I can't remember which one it was, but he had won a big primary. And he got up on the stage and did this rant. And at the end, he screamed at the end of this speech and it derailed his campaign. It absolutely derailed his campaign. So you never know what's going to happen between now and November. But you keep looking at the polls and the majority of Americans keep saying to the major political parties, we want different choices. And the different political parties are not giving them different choices. So it has to make you wonder how are they going to attract those independent voters? I think they're the key here in the state of Arizona. And this to me is more important than any of it. Very slim majority for Republicans in the House, very slim majority for Republicans in the Senate. And this is not an election year for for the governor's office. So our governor is uh, got two more years before she is up for reelection. So is it possible that both chambers of the Arizona state legislature could flip and become under could come under Democratic control? The answer is absolutely it's possible. It is absolutely possible. So voters in Arizona, independent voters that are listening right now, you are going to make a huge decision in this. Republicans are voting Republican, Democrats are voting Democrat, but you are going to have a huge say in the direction of this state. I'm anxious to see how it turns out. Coming up in a moment, uh, we're going to go back to the topic of math scores and national security. Talking about the workforce coming up here in just one moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, the M3F Music Festival is headed to the Steel Indian School Park, March 1st and 2nd. 100% of all profits from this music festival go to various charities throughout the valley. Limited tickets are still available for purchase, and you could possibly win a pair by visiting the contest page at KTAR.com. All right, we talked. I talked about this earlier, and I think it's something significant. American students are falling behind. Poor math scores are now a national security threat. This is a story from Zero Hedge, originally in the Epoch Times. Um, and the most recent results of the Program for International Student Assessment highlight a, con- a concerning trend for U.S. students in the field of math. Since 2018, the last time this exam was given, we have seen a 13-point drop in math scores for American students. But other countries, 28 other countries and economies, managed to either maintain or improve their scores since 2018. That includes learning loss and everything else from the pandemic worldwide. We are seeing nations like Switzerland and Japan leading the way. They are improving scores, and we are falling further and further behind. So much so that people are calling this a national security issue. Earlier in the show, we talked about the economy, how a record number of people are turning 65 this year, meaning that right now 65 is still young, relatively young. People are working at 65 But you're near the tail end. You understand 10 years from then at 75, you're probably not going to be going as strong. You look at the presidency and the questions about a president at the age that he is at and the former president is running against him and their ability to withstand the rigors of that job for long periods of time. And we understand that age gets the best of all of us. Athletes age out from their prime at a much earlier age than the rest of us. While most of us are in our prime and working in our 40s and 50s, athletes much younger. We all understand that. It all makes sense. So if we have a young, the, the next workforce, 
the next generation in our workforce are falling so far behind in this country. We have to look at this as a national security issue. Here in Arizona, at Arizona State University, by the way, was just named one of their their graduates were named some of the most employable graduates on the planet. So Arizona State University and Dr. Crow and what they've done there um, have been able to create a shift in the last 25 plus years in turning that university around. So that it is preparing people for the workforce. Its engineering school is one of the best in the world, according to many. And we're going to need it because of the jobs that we are getting moving to Arizona. It is one thing to be able to do what we've done, which is expand and broaden our uh, economy, diversify. But when you see these high-tech jobs, so we talk about TSMC and I talk a lot about Intel. Those are the big ones, those big facilities that are going to employ so many people. But they're going to bring with them other industries, chemical industries. And it's going to take people that are very good at what they do in order to do those jobs and those other industries that are going to flourish here because of how big this in the chip industry is going to become. Are we preparing, are you, are you preparing your children, are your grandchildren preparing to be trained in those fields? When it comes time to compete, we talk about housing and affordable housing in Arizona. Well, a big piece of affordable housing is being able to get a job that pays you enough to buy a house. We all understand that. Um, I don't want to see anybody left behind in the economy, but are you saying to your kids, I look at this about education and now they got financial, one of the headlines in this stack is financial literacy classes are growing in high schools because kids need to understand you can, you can uh, call the world unfair all you want. It isn't. And you learn more as an adult that it's less and less fair the longer you live. Nothing is fair and nothing is handed to you. But to prepare kids and let them know if you are going to flourish in this world, if you're going to live your best life, and that's what they like to say, I'm living my best life, you're going to have to find a job that pays you enough to buy that home, to take care of a family, to buy the car you want, to travel if you want to travel, to have a life that you want to live instead of life dictating how you're going to live. And they got to be prepared. Are they preparing themselves for those jobs? Are we telling younger people this is what it's going to take to live that life you want? And if you want it, you're going to have to work for it. It's possible. I'm living proof. It's possible. It takes a lot of hard work. It does take some luck, but it takes a lot of hard work. And you're going to have to get skill sets that other people don't have. You're going to have to do things that other people aren't doing. And it concerns me because you're going to get kids right now that are in high school that don't that don't care. I was one of them. I didn't care about my algebra test. I didn't care what score I got and what grades I got in school. I just wanted to work. But it clicked for me at a certain point. For me, it was 18 years old. For others, it's 28 years old. It clicked for me that I needed more, that I wanted more. And I found an avenue. And that was the trades for me. Then I figured out this is why you need algebra. This is why you need geometry. If we are not preparing them to learn, if they do not become good learners, we are setting them up to fail. And when you and I are done working, when you and I are done and it's time for us to move on and do something else with the next phase of our lives, we have to count on them to do these jobs. Are we preparing them to learn those jobs? 
It is just it, it, they're calling it a national security issue. And I don't think it's overstated. You got more and more kids not showing up to job interviews, not showing up. That's work ethic. But once it clicks for you, are you prepared to learn what you need to learn to do those jobs? It's an excellent question. Just after 11 o'clock, we are going to reset an interview. We talked to the Arizona Speaker of the House, Ben Toma, about a new immigration piece of legislation that could let the voters decide on the most strict immigration law that's ever been written. We're going to talk about that and let you hear what he had to say next.